When conversations about sex arise, sometimes people only hit the surface. With us, we're going to dive deeper. I'm Anthony Brinson. I'm Elle Fromm. And, and this, this is, is the, the Going, Going Deeper, deeper podcast. podcast. From the state news, we have the 1909. We have House Lights, the new All Shades of Chocolate, and the Sports Roundtable. And with this, this is going to be our fifth podcast of the state news. This is going to be our Sex and Love podcast. And me and Elle are really excited to start this podcast together. We were talking about it over the summer, and I'll let Elle kind of explain how did it come about? How did we follow up with it? And then we'll get into a little bit of our pitch as well as far as what we got planned for this podcast. Yeah, so I'm Elle. I, Anthony and I had this idea, like you said, I think it started last spring, actually. Really? Where, yeah, this is something I've wanted to do for a while because, you know, being a college campus, this is stuff that happens. These are things that people talk about. And I thought it would be a good idea for a podcast. So I brought it to Anthony, and he was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I was so excited. I wrote up a pitch, and we're starting it this semester. Yeah, and one of the my most favorite things about you, Elle, and like one of my favorite qualities about you is just you're very open, just in general, whether it be open-minded or just like blunt and like having certain conversations that many people wouldn't really be comfortable having. And I haven't met too many people in my life like that because I, I barely have a filter, and like I just say like the most random stuff or especially about sex, like, if somebody's open to have those conversations, I'm an open book because I've had a lot of experiences, some good, some bad. And I'm also very open to learning a lot, especially about like women and like women's anatomy episode that we'll talk about probably. Mm -hmm. And just being more knowledgeable, especially as a guy, because I hate to hear like when women say like a lot of guys don't care about their bodies or just them in general about sex. And I know so many men who don't give a crap about women during sex. And it's just it's so interesting to be someone who's very open to it and then to hear other people especially other men not be interested in it yeah so we're gonna get into a bit more about each of us but you and I are like very similar people I think I remember you told me a story about how when you were in school you had a teacher who was like you can only ask this many questions a day because you ask so many questions Absolutely. and I myself am a very inquisitive person I ask a lot of questions but I was also so I was raised Roman Catholic, very strict. Like, I went to Catholic school. I was an altar server the whole nine yards. So sex not only was something that wasn't discussed, it was also shameful. Like, fornication, what that means sex before marriage, that's a sin. Masturbation, that's a sin. Like, this having even having sex for purposes outside of contraception is just not something that is talked about ever. And I think, especially the kind of person I am, if you tell me you can't know about this, you can't talk about this, this is shameful, the first thing that comes to my mind is, why? Why can't I talk about this? And mm -hmm. that's just going to make me want to talk about this. So, yeah, like I said, when I met you, it was very much like we're kindred spirits. It was like a, like a click moment where mm -hmm. it was like, this is a good thing. This is a good person to talk about this with. And I have a question for you just off topic of the sex and love stuff, but with being someone who's very outspoken, how do you balance how do you balance that? Like when to speak your mind, when not to speak your mind, and then if sometimes people take it like as a negative or if they're like pushed back from it, like how do you balance that? Well, I am still learning how to balance <laughs> that because I'm just outspoken about most things. But mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing to remember when being about outspoken about things like love, but particularly sex, is not everybody is always going to be as comfortable as you are. And that's something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. So where are you? Who are you with? 
Because sometimes you might think, oh, it's liberating to talk about this, but you're just making somebody uncomfortable, and mm -hmm. that's never what I want to do. It's never yeah. what you want to do. Mm -hmm. That's never going to be what we do on this podcast. So uh, balancing is basically just being aware of your surroundings. And Definitely. my grandmother always tells me, listen more than you talk. So if somebody, mm -hmm. even if it's not a verbal cue, if somebody looks uncomfortable, you Take a second, think to yourself, okay, this isn't a topic they want to discuss. Let's talk about something else. Yeah, a phrase that I've heard before is like, you got two ears and one mouth. So oh, I just, love that. Yeah, that was when I heard that, I'm like, wow, that's so crazy because it pretty much the point of it is just like, it's good to obviously speak your mind and give your opinion when it's warranted, but it's good to also digest information, also get the other perspective. And what you were mentioning earlier was a big part of what we discussed about this podcast of just comfort. Like, we talked with people in the newsroom, like some of the uh, higher officials, I guess you can call them, but just making sure that when we bring people on the show, if we bring people on the show, or if we talk about things, to have an open mind and also not tiptoe, but just be very careful what we say. Be and cautious. Definitely. That's the word I was looking for, because you don't want to, like, offend anybody, but we also want to be honest. So I talked a bit before about, a little bit, about how I was raised and how I view sexuality and love you want to talk about your experience with that? Definitely. You were hitting a lot of similar notes with where you were saying things about, like, masturbation or sex. Like, those things were very taboo in my house. So, like, I remember being in sex ed. They brought in middle schools, like, they only had it for, like, a week, but they called it Swift. And I pretty much didn't know, like, I got laughed at because when we were in the program, I didn't know a lot. Like, I didn't, it was too bad to the point. I didn't know male and women had different, like, genitalia. And, like... I was so unaware of these type of things and like the people in like the my class or like the lunchroom like laughed at me and stuff because they had it in the lunchroom and like they laughed at me and stuff and I went home and told my parents about this and instead of them educating me their first response they were upset that they even had this program they're like why would you why would they put kids like that and this is like seventh grade so whichever grade you think is appropriate wow. for that they were like why would they have you in this program and then the program ended up getting shut down because I guess they the program got backlash from it as well but the point I'm making with this, just to give an example how bad it was, one, but also, like, I had to learn a lot of things on my own. Like, I didn't dive into, like, I didn't have sex until I was 18. I didn't masturbate until I was 18. I didn't, yeah, I, I, like I said, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of learning with my own self and just getting certain experiences out there. And it was, it was hard to get comfortable with these type of things because I always had it in the back of my mind, like, this is bad, this is bad. And then especially if you add, like, religious aspects, like, is this bad? Oh is this okay? <laughs> It was a lot. So, like I said, like, when you say we're very similar, we're very similar mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and just a lot of, like, talking points. But, yeah. Yeah, it's just – that's an interesting point because I know that there – that's kind of a hot-button issue now is sex ed in schools. And I think a lot of people misunderstand sex ed because they think sex as in, like, intercourse. Mm -hmm. And sex ed – because people say, oh, you should teach sex ed to kindergartners. And they're like, we can't tell kindergartners about sex. Not in that way. It means like educating them about the scientific names for various body parts. Mm -hmm. Because, especially because when somebody, if there's like, God forbid, somebody who's being taken advantage of or molested or abused, when they know what their body parts are called, then they can describe that. And then they can, like, that is so helpful. Definitely. Because a lot of people who are the victims of things like that, when they're re really young, they don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
And so once they do, that can be really helpful. Yeah. And a great point was brought up. I forget who brought up the point, but they were having a discussion on how, like, you know, when kids are younger and they're talking about their areas and they be like, oh, like your no-no square, things like that. The mom was saying, like, she hated that because she wanted her, she had a daughter, and she wanted her to identify, like, if somebody ever, like, got in the area, like, no, like, that is your vagina, like, those are your breasts, like, those, these are your body parts, and those are private parts, those are private areas that nobody should be getting into, and if somebody ever does, tell mommy, like, that was the discussion she was having with her daughter, and I never even thought about it like that, but I really admired that type of conversation with their kid. I've... I've definitely thought about that because I have, um, I've got very big family on my father's side, slightly smaller family on my mother's side. And my grandmother always says pumples. Grandma, if you're listening, I love you. It makes me laugh. She always says pumples. And then when my Aunt Allie had my cousin, my she wanted him to know the anatomical names for things. So my grandma, like, she had to switch to saying breast. And she wasn't, like, upset. It was just kind of a change for, for her and for us. Mm-hmm. But, I like, I've been a nanny for three or four years and those are the terms that I use Mm -hmm. because yeah like you should know the difference between the fact that there are grown men who don't understand that the vagina and the urethra are separate they're like well how do you pee if you use a tampon my guy it's a different hole like it's lower it's like to give a little bit of benefit of doubt I was in the same boat when I was in like like I said middle school or high school when I wasn't sexually active Especially once I got sexually active, I really wanted to learn those things because I didn't know like different holes, like y'all had different holes down there or things like that. Or like when you like when pregnancy goes on and all the things that go on about that with women, it's just I didn't know a lot of those things because nobody ever had that conversation with me. And then I tried to give the effort to learn. So like you mentioned, like the fact that there's a lot of men in general, especially like grown men who don't know those type of things is one issue. But I feel like an even bigger issue is like not caring. Like, especially when it's, like, sexual intercourse or just knowing about a woman's body, they don't really care to get that type of knowledge, and it creates a whole can of worms, especially when you have, like, the less extremes of just sex or when you have the even higher extremes of, like, God forbid, like, sexual assault or things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And being both of us are MSU students, obviously, that's definitely been an issue on our campus. So I think just talking about these things more is very, very helpful because – when you talk about something, you take away the stigma. Mm-hmm. So that's one of our goals here. Definitely. And yeah. with that being said, do you want to discuss more about like our personal views on like relationships or just our personal experience with relationships? Or yeah, because wanna... yeah, this, is, this is not just a sex podcast. This is sex and love. So, for example, if you're like Arrow, being aromantic, and you only want to listen to the podcast or the episodes about sex, that's fine. If you're Ace and you only want to listen to the ones about love, that's fine, too. If you could, for the audience and me, to be honest, explain those terms a bit more. Oh, yes, sure. Sorry, I'm very familiar with those terms like that. Um, so aromantic is basically people, and it is kind of a spectrum, who experience like little to no romantic attraction. They have love, like platonic love, familial love, but they don't experience romantic attraction. Or if they do, it's very minimal. Mm-hmm. And then asexual people are, th- th- this has quite a lar- like a broader spectrum it can go from people who are like sex repulsed, whereas like they don't want to have sex or at all, or people who just aren't really interested in sex, but it's something like that they would do for or with a partner because it mean it matters to them. Mm-hmm. So, but they do experience love. So this is sex and love. Definitely understandable. With those terms, if you wouldn't mind me asking, could you also explain the difference between those terms and like asexual, for example? 
Oh, a- asexual and ace, I think, are used interchangeably. If I'm, if that's incorrect, I'm very sorry. Okay, but that makes sense then. If it is, but and if not, obviously, um, apologies on our end as well. With examples like that, matter of fact, to just use that as an example, we're not doctors and we're not perfect, and we're gonna implement this as episodes go along. Like we're gonna mm-hmm. bring in, we're gonna try to bring in people who like know all about a lot, a lot about these things, like factually. And we're going to reach out to a lot of people and a lot of sources to just know that we're not just an opinionated podcast, but we try to, like, teach as much as possible. Yes, this is going to be factual, but we are not, I mean, I don't, I don't really think anyone is a relationship expert. <laughs> yeah. But, so. yeah, we are not. I mean, we have our own experiences, but mm-hmm. which we may share some of, we may not share any of. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we are not doctors. We are not experts. We're just here to start a dialogue. Definitely. And we were talking a bit off camera just about the topic of body counts. And obviously we both agree. Like we wouldn't say like, oh, we've slept with this many people. But just I asked Elle, like, how does she feel about just the conversation around body counts? And we both agreed on like her response. I agreed with her perspective. But to just give a like on camera version of it. Yeah, sure. So, well, no camera on or audio. On <laughs> mic, excuse me. So <laughs> I just it's one of those issues. It's many things where it's. It exists so much more online than it does in real life. Like, I can't think of a single conversation where somebody has honest to God, like you asking me how I feel about the question itself, not actually asking me the question, is like the only time this gets brought up. Like, I just, it's so blown out of proportion because I I truly think most adults, most sexually active people do not care because I don't care. I don't, everybody has a past. Everybody has a history. Like, I don't care if you've slept with one people. I don't care if you slept with 57, 200. It doesn't matter because that just, it has no bearing on who you are as a person and your value, particularly women, you know, it has no bearing on what your value is morally, what your value is sexually. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The only time I think it's appropriate to ask somebody a similar question would be if you are having like casual sex with somebody and you want to ask them how many other currently active partners do you have because that is a good thing to know in terms of getting tested because if you are having particularly unprotected either intercourse or oral sex then you you should be getting with with more than one person you should be getting tested regularly definitely so, understandable and like i said earlier i agree with that perspective just it doesn't in my opinion or in our opinion doesn't define who that person is and I was mentioning to her um, off the mic as well, just I hate the difference between men and women in this conversation because when men have a lot of sexual partners, most of the time it's like put on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And when women have a lot of sexual partners, most of the time they're called derogatory words or they're, I actually want to ask you about this or just to clarify this odd stigma of when guys say like they're, she's loose after having a lot of sex. That is honest to God. The lack of critical thinking that you have to display to say something like that is remarkable. And also one thing, we talked, we mentioned um, men and women. Mm-hmm. We are well aware that there are people who do not fit into that binary. Definitely. So appreciate you for and then the, the difference well. between sex and gender, the inclusion of intersex individuals. So we're we're gonna try to specify what we mean when we say men and when we say women. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, but we are not, we are not bigots. I am not a turf. None of that. Um, yeah, but the idea back to what you said about the idea of being loose, like physically. I want everybody to imagine 
the size of a baby's head and how that exits through the cervix and then through the vaginal canal. If that doesn't, I'm using air quotes here, stretch a woman, what on earth makes you think a penis would or any phallic object? Like the idea that a woman who has multiple sexual partners will be loose is laughable. It just doesn't make any physical sense. Furthermore, why would a woman who has sex, let's say three times a week for five to 10 years with more than one partner, so with multiple men, why would she be any looser than a, again, air quotes, than a woman who has sex three times a week, five to 10 years with the same man? Yeah. That's the same interval. So the idea that a woman who has multiple partners is somehow loose, it doesn't, it just doesn't hold up to any, the second that you think about that, like we talked about below the surface level, the second that you dive deeper, you can see that it makes no sense. Yeah, it always confused me. Or like another one when guys say, like when they talk about a bad sexual experience with a woman and they be like, oh, she wasn't really um, turned on or she wasn't really wet for real. And I always thought like, when it's not a guy problem. Like, isn't that your, isn't that the dude's problem? Like you didn't turn on the woman enough. It's yes, a lot of- Yes and no. Okay. You, well, because it is a thing that women become looser when they are aroused because your muscles relax and mm-hmm. obviously you have natural lubricant but there are also women who have like conditions like vaginismus or um, like skin conditions that can affect that or as age as you, as you get older you, you're not as likely to be like as wet so sometimes it can be the man saying like it can be the fault of the man or just the, the person that you're having sex with mm-hmm. is not like doing enough foreplay. Sometimes it can be what I would like call a mechanical issue. Um, but those, these are always things that you should talk about with your partner. Definitely. And that's another thing we can get into just like communication. Like communication is key. Whether Absolutely. it comes to consent, things that you're comfortable with, things you aren't comfortable with, always talk about it. Whether it's with somebody you've been with for five years or five days. Especially when you have a partner, you can still learn so much about them just 100%. through talking with them. And another thing, just in general, like especially when it involves like sexual intercourse, like it's not as easy for sometimes women to get the finishing product or an orgasm when in uh, comparison to men. I know. The finishing product. <laughs> I was trying to think like, okay, should I? Should I tiptoe or should I just say it? No, I feel like we're just going to just should, say it. We had a whole conversation time. about using terms like vulva or mm-hmm. penis. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think we should say it. And coincidentally, L, didn't you write a story similar yes, to this um, issue just to kind of throw you a lob and alley you to your story? Thank you. <laughs> yes, I wrote a story uh, about the orgasm gap, and it was called Ladies First, the Ins and Outs of the Orgasm Gap. Such an amazing story. As you can tell, I did come up with Going Deeper as a title for this podcast. Um, I love a good title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the orgasm gap, the idea for the story started, I was um, with my now ex-girlfriend, but obviously we were together at the time, and we were talking to a friend of hers and who had hooked up with this guy, and I was like, oh, like, how was it, you know? did you finish? And she said to us, and it like, and I'm not being dramatic. It honestly kind of broke my heart. She was like, oh, I can't do that with guys. Wow. And to consider, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a copy editor here at the state news. I'm a very language oriented person. The the use of, I can't instead of they can't make me Mm -hmm. it like, it's her fault. 
And just the fact that she said it so casually, like it was acceptable. So I looked into it a lot more and I found that it is very common. Heterosexual women in particular are much less likely to achieve orgasm than heterosexual men during sex. And that's so crazy to one, think about, but also just when you hear the stories of like women not finishing for years in relationships or the guys not really caring what they just say, like they hit it and quit it, just mm -hmm. it's a interesting dynamic to think about how one's experience, like you can share an experience with someone, but get two completely different results or two different, completely different uh, perspectives of it. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's so eye opening to learn. It is, but I also want to want to specify, and this is particularly true for people. You know, this is a college campus. People, a lot of people, I assume, are having sex for like the first time. There is no shame in that. Like, I think there is shame in it continuing to happen and you not taking any action, not taking any, not caring at all. But like, if the first time that you have sex with a woman and you maybe don't really know what you're doing and she doesn't achieve orgasm. We're not here to say, there's something wrong with you. No, I mean, nobody's first time, like, okay, maybe mine had candles and roses and that's not an exaggeration, it actually did. But nobody's first time is perfect. There's no like, yeah, he totally rocked my world. Like, no, you know, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it feels good. Hopefully you have fun. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's with somebody who maybe doesn't like love you, but respects you, mm -hmm. but it, it's not going to be the way it is in movies. It's yeah. just not. And that's a whole other thing we could get into or just like porn or sex oh, movies, Lord. how they kind of make this image of what sex is supposed to be. And then when it's real life, it kind of is the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Even people mm -hmm. in, the, in, in that industry would tell you like, don't model your sex life based on Please, porn. Yes, don't. And it's so like, <laughs> I was thinking about this. Why are the men so silent? And I get it, it's because it's made for men and particularly straight men don't wanna hear like a man moaning, but you can tell, we talk about like the male gaze or you can tell that porn is made for men based on the fact that the men are usually silent. And why would you ever, like unless you're trying to keep quiet like somebody's in the next room or something, like I, I feel like sex is very rarely a silent act. Yeah. and. Again, to each their own. If some people do prefer to be quiet during sex, then that's your thing. But it's very interesting when, if you do consume porn, how it's made, you can tell there's certain agendas that are attempted to be pushed depending mm -hmm. on what you're watching. And just in general, with similar, I think about it similarly like alcohol or if you uh, consume any drugs. Like if you do consume porn in your relationship or just in general, just be safe and try and keep it at. Uh, healthy, I'm putting quotation marks around healthy amount because I'm not a doctor. I'm not one to tell you how much you should or shouldn't watch, but just be careful with anything. Like too much anything is a bad thing. So 100%. Just, if you do consume that, you do choose to, that's your business, that's your prerogative, and we're not here to judge you for that. Just make sure you're careful with anything you do sexually. Uh, yes, I would, I, would, I would very much agree with that. And I would add that if you do consume porn, please consume ethically made porn because a lot of porn, either the, the sex workers aren't aren't always getting fairly compensated for their work. They're not always, like some of it can be very like, maybe they're underage mm -hmm. or they're 
unaware that they're being filmed. So there are websites that focus, like I know Belsa is one, I'm hope it's either Belsa or Bellessa, and I'm very sorry if I'm saying that wrong, but it's B-E-L-L-E-S-A. They also make sex toys. They are a woman-run, woman-owned company that one, cater more towards women, but also ensure that all of the pornography that they are produ- they produce is ethically made. That's pretty cool. I didn't, I've never heard of their site at all. And shout out them, shout out just... Oh, there are, I'm sure there are tons of other places that do the same thing. That's yeah, just the only one I know. Definitely. Just like you mentioned, just as long as, as long as there's nothing illegal or harmful going mm-hmm. on, then that's your business and your um, private life. But... With that being said, would you want to segue into like our pitch or just the things that we may discuss on this podcast? Uh, sure, but we got to come back to love. We definitely would. Because I, ha- I had a whole thing about, I actually don't love, love that Matt, saying. You can bring it up now. I was just okay. wondering. I, I, don't like, I don't like it when people say, my thing is, or I have a thing. Because mm-hmm. why wouldn't you say issue or subject or just any other word? So I was... I mentioned specifically that it wasn't just about sex, and then we talked more about sex for a lot <laughs> longer. So love... Um, yeah, I've I've been in love before. I know you've been in love before. Mm-hmm. It's very love is such and when I say love I mean specifically romantic romantic love. That's a subject of this podcast. It's just like it's it can be so magical and so comforting. Like I remember the first time I fell in love and I was like it was like nothing I'd ever experienced in my life before. Like there is I don't mean to be basic with this quote and I'm not a Swifty. Please don't jump me if you are or aren't. But I, one of my favorite albums is 1989 by Taylor Swift because it came out when I was like 13 and I was like going through some stuff. But she has a song on that album called This Love and she says, um, and you understand now why they lost their minds and fought the wars and why I've spent my whole life trying to put it into words. And I listened to that song again after I had fallen in love and it was like, I, I did. I understood why they lost their minds, why people fight wars, why people just do the craziest things in the world, like slapping Chris Rock. <laughs> Sorry. But that's literally from a speech. She said loves make you, loves make love makes you do crazy things. We're not gonna get into that. But it, it is such a magical feeling and I think it's so wonderful and like so warm is honestly the way I would describe love and falling in love. And as somebody who is in love now, like it's 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 just it's great. I want to ask one if you're comfortable with talking about things like your sexuality and mm-hmm. being in relationships with different partners. And I also want to ask like once you answer that, was the feeling of love then versus who you're with now was it different? What Anthony is saying there is I am bisexual. I have dated men and women, and I don't. I think the dating prospect. like the dating process is better to say that is different and the dynamics are different but the feeling of love itself is not different between men and women okay i think the second time you fall in love is different from the first because the first time that you fall in love you don't know the bad side you don't know what heartbreak feels like Mm -hmm. and again i specify romantic heartbreak because there's tons of different heartbreaks, but you've never you've never had your heart broken before. So you are like, wow, this is so amazing and new and wonderful. And then the second time you fall in love, you have gone through heartbreak. Maybe it was amicable, maybe you drifted apart slowly, maybe it was a disaster and the whole thing blew up in your face. But the second time you fall in love, I think is different, but I personally have not noticed a difference between men and women. Okay, 
definitely understandable. And how is your relationship with your boyfriend now? Like, how did you guys Fantastic. meet? Um, that's good to hear. How did you guys meet? Where did you meet at? And how are you guys doing now? So we met at work. I was working as a I was working as a nanny for this family, and they had a child who had some behavioral issues, and they didn't feel that one person was enough to, like, deal with that basically. Um, so they hired like the son of their family friend, and that is how I met my boyfriend. He was that family friend's son, and wow. it was very like yes, I love him very much, but he has no riz like he has absolutely no riz like I think it's it's almost like it comes back around and his lack of riz is riz I'm saying riz too much (laughs) but like I asked him out I kissed him first because I'm very like if I know what I want I go for it exactly (laughs) I'm very self-driven so uh yeah I asked him out and I asked him on one of our later dates I was like it's like, be honest, if I hadn't asked you out, would you have asked me out? And he was like, no. <laughs> I was like, why would you say that? And I don't mean in the sense of like, I want to be lied to. I just meant like, I know that there are like men listening to this. Hopefully people listen to this, you know, fingers crossed. Who are like, why would he say that? Like shaking their heads. <laughs> but he did. He's very honest. Yeah, so we, we are in a great place right now. I'm not, you know, naive enough to say that like, it's this is the one because I don't actually believe in soulmates. Um, really? I believe no, I don't believe in soulmates. I don't believe in the idea of the one. I think that people find each other in beautiful ways and they build something together. And I mm. think that is more meaningful than the idea that there is some somebody destined for you because okay. you build it yourself. Uh, so yeah, we built a relationship. We are together right now. He's actually out of the country, unfortunately. Oh wow, so, where are you? Well, okay, he was born in Eastern Europe, and he is. Ooh. Yes, he is there now because of some... I almost aired his business out real loud, but he's there for some family stuff. Okay, that's understandable. I hope everything's okay, and that's pretty cool. I didn't know that he was uh, from Europe. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know. Yeah, he is. He's very, he's, he's very Eastern European, and he will be the first person to tell you that. What like, does that we mean were, exactly? We were at Panera, and I was like, why do you have $300 in cash on you? <laughs> like, he pays for everything in cash, and, like, I don't care because I'm not paying, you know? <laughs> but I was like, what? Like, are we going to get jumped? Why are you walking around with that much cash? And he's like, I don't trust banks. I'm like, okay, huh? Okay, <laughs> baby. Whatever you say. Wow. And how long have you guys been together? We've been together a little bit over a year now. That's so exciting. No. Maybe on another episode I'll tell you. I have a story about how we officially got together because, <laughs> like I said, he's – I mean, he's been here since he was two, so he he's very Americanized. But there is always cultural differences mm-hmm. in our relationship, and like, some people think you have to ask to make it official. Some people don't, and we got a funny story about that. I don't come off looking great in that story, but what you gonna do? <laughs> so yes, that is my. And then I I said um my we're gonna do an episode later on first love, so I'll talk more about my very first relationship and mm-hmm. that love, but. It was also, I mean, heartbreak. Like I said, is not great, but it's been over a year now. Um, it's been almost two years now since since that started and ended. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to look back at it in a more like healed way. And it was also a very amicable split. Like nobody cheated. Nobody. There was no. I mean, there was drama, but there wasn't like we both knew it was time for us to move on. That's understandable. All right. And your turn. One more question. One more question oh, okay. before I get to um, my perspective of this love side of our podcast. How would you? think about the process of moving on and just 
going from heartbreak oh, to healing enough to get into another relationship. How was that for you personally? And what advice would you give just about this topic about moving on? Like 100%. That's a, that is such a good question. That's what I mean when I say 100%. I mean, it's 100% a good question. <laughs> getting my phone out. I am a very musical person. I was a choir kid. Um, music means a lot to me. I listen to various genres, but I, so the first time I like started dating my now ex-girlfriend and that was my first love, the one I was talking about, um, hang on. I started this, oh Lord, just cut this part out. (laughs) I started this playlist of different songs and they were like, like girls by girl in red and like, um, Real People Do by Hosier. Hosier, if I'm saying that wrong, it's going to be embarrassing for me. Daydreaming by Ariana Grande. And then it became more of like um, Fallen For You, Colby Calais. These aren't all the songs. I'm just reading a few of them. Okay. Uh, Beyond by Leon Bridges. That's one of my favorite songs. My sister introduced me to it. And then like it became from um, like infatuation to a relationship to love. And then when we broke up, I made a new playlist, and it was very... <laughs> It was very, oh my God. When we broke up, I cried so hard that I threw up in the shower. And I am not joking. Like, it, I have a a cousin of mine who um, was in a relationship with a man for upwards of 10 years. They were married. And then they got divorced because it turns out he was gay and so was she. And that's a story for another time. (laughs) But, oh God. I remember my mom telling me that and then just leaving the room like she didn't drop that bombshell. I was like, what? Because I was in their wedding. I was a flower girl. But anyway, and she told me the first time she experienced heartbreak with a woman, she was like, I got divorced and breaking up heartbreak with a woman was so much worse. It's like being stabbed. But yeah, I used music to move on. You know, like I got Like I Loved You by Brett Young, Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton, Once by Marin Morris. This is what I would say is my advice for moving on. Time heals all wounds. Don't rush the process. You know, let's say you've found that there are a series of steps to moving on. And some people think there are. Some people think there aren't. I don't really know. But don't try to rush them. It's not going to help you. You are not going to move on any faster. And you're just going to – it's just going to lead to more heartbreak. So allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. And like I said, I've been a nanny, so I'm working with kids. And I always tell kids that. Your feelings are real. Feel them. Um, But for adults, too, like allow yourself to cry. Allow yourself to, you know – not throw out that hoodie. Hmm. <laughs> um, and when it is time to move on, you will. And you'll you'll be able to think about that person without crying, and you'll be able to appreciate what you had. Because I think when people experience heartbreak and breakups, I've, I've, I never regretted it. Like, I never regretted our relationship. If I had to go back and do it all again, I would. Mm-hmm. Because the experience was so meaningful to me. So that is my advice for moving on is just take it, take it slow, let yourself feel what you're going to feel, and then one day you will wake up and it will, won't hurt as bad. And each day after that, it'll hurt less and less until you can finally look back at it healed. I feel like that was amazing advice. Thank and you. I feel like that's the perfect segue to get into my perspective of love. And I'll start by saying... Love was an interesting thing to learn as I grew up because I've been very, I'm a very affectionate person. I'm a very up forward person, but I haven't always had the best relationships with sex or love. And we've talked a bit about it, um, just knowing each other. And then we'll probably talk about it 
way more as longer we know each other. But I've had a lot of bad experiences sexually and in relationships. And from my perspective, the person who I'm with now, shout out my girlfriend, Janae. We she love Janae. gave me a whole entire revamp of what love was. Oh, and that's so she cute. made me feel as though anything before her wasn't really, it wasn't love. It wasn't, I wouldn't say I regret the experience. I wouldn't say I regret most. Some I do regret. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say I regret most of the experiences I had before her. But being in the relationship I am now, even with the ups and downs, it shows me what it takes to be in a relationship. And it shows me the mindset you have to get in when you plan on being with somebody for the rest of your life. Obviously, I don't know if Janae is going to be my person because I do, I actually do believe in soulmates personally. And I don't know, like, I don't know the future. I don't know if I'm going to be with her 10 years down the line. But when you plan on, at least in my opinion, when you plan on being with somebody for the rest of your life, you have to go in it being open to building with that person for the rest of your life. Like, that's not... At least I don't look at it as a small statement because if you live a very long time and you have that person part of your life, you would feel as though they're part of your world. And mm-hmm. it gets weird when, like, let's say you go through a breakup and you don't wake up and text them or you don't wake up next to them if you live with them. And the experiences that you have with people can t- stick with you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in some good ways, some bad. And now with both of us being in relationships at the moment, it's good to get those perspectives of like past loves and current loves and just having those conversations so i'm glad that one you're my host uh with this show but also just to shout out our partners l obviously knows my girlfriend really well i've met her boyfriend before and i can tell at least from my perspective with janae and then with your boyfriend that having an understanding partner can really change your life oh 100 and i i don't share in your experience of my current partner like redefining my understanding of love which isn't a detriment on him. Mm-hmm. It's just like, he was like, oh, I, I know what, because I'd been in love before. So my question for you, though, how did, so you said that you, falling in love with Janae made you realize that what you were feeling before wasn't love. Mm-hmm. So those times that you, let's put it in quotes, like let's talk about before you met her, those times that you had fallen in love, what did it feel like? Why did you think it was love? Because I would identify and this is from a TV show, but I would identify four stages of love. When you think you think it, when you know you think it, when you think you know it, and then when you know you know it. So So, for me, I was like, when I, the first time I fell in love, I was like, oh, that's what this is. So how, what did it feel like those times that you wouldn't call love now? And then what did it feel like with Janae? And how, what was the moment like where you realized it wasn't love before? So multi-part question. There are some similarities and some differences. And the main similarity, and to answer your question, at the end of the day, it was acceptance. A lot of my trauma and a lot of my experiences came from not feeling wanted. Mm-hmm. And once I got, once I met people who accepted me in a relationship standpoint, that's all I needed. Like, as long as I had that opportunity to show someone who I could be for them, that's all it really was. But when it came to love, like if they didn't love me back, but they tolerated me, then I was okay. Aww. And now with Janae, in the similar in a similar sense, the fact that she gave me the chance of just being her boyfriend, because I take when I look at relationships, at the end of the day, you don't have to give nobody time, you don't have to agree to be in a relationship with somebody. So the fact that she gave me 
the opportunity to be her boyfriend, I'm very grateful for. But the main difference is it's not just the acceptance that made me feel like this was real love or a different love than before. She's the type of person who, even I would never do this, if I asked her to change every single quality for me, she would do it. She would be the type wow. of person to always be there for me. She would always bring me up. And at the end of the day, no matter what we, we'd go through, we'd always come back together and have that middle ground and be that connected front and that team. And I never really had that type of security, for lack of better words. And to combine the quote-unquote acceptance with actually caring and showing that you care in the best way you, um, she could, it allowed me to feel, as cliche as this may sound, like that she was different, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. And with her being the person I've been with the longest, I've been with her for a little over a year as well. Our anniversary was just um, last week Aww. on the uh, 21st. And just experiencing an anniversary for the first time, like it really, really, it healed a lot of trauma that I had because I never thought or at least I didn't think I'd get to a point of that um, or that point in a relationship in a while. And the fact that I had the blessing and the luxury to have that experience at 20, I don't take it for granted because people get in relationships like their forever quote unquote relationships at like 25, 30, any random age, mm -hmm. sometimes it's younger. But the fact that I got with her when I was 19 and now we're 20, it really, it just really made me happy to have that um, sort of milestone. I have a follow-up question for you. Given that you said Janae redefined your understanding of love, how old were you the first times that you fell in love because, or what you thought was love? Because I do think that's an important factor. And I, this is not to diminish anyone who is like, maybe you fell in love when you were 16 and you do think it was love. Maybe you thought you did and you don't. Like, that's fine. But I do think age is a big factor because I was 19 the first time I fell in love. But I think maybe if you were like 15, 16 and then falling in love at 20... It's just different because you're older. Yeah, and I would also agree that that's probably a huge part into it because I can't remember exactly, but I would say like 15, 16. Mm -hmm. If I'm going back to the relationships I can remember. So I do think that also plays a huge part in it, just falling in love at such a young age and then being a bit older. I feel like, like you said, that does play a part into it. And yeah. What advice would you give about being in a relationship as far as, like, the hardships, the good, the bad? Just what advice would you give in general from the perspective of a girlfriend or just from the oh, perspective that's of a, a good, partner? That's a good one. One thing I would start with. I would start with, and this is, I don't want to assume to speak for you, but I assume you'd agree with this. Like we said before, we are not experts. Mm -hmm. So our relationship advice is from... It's like when you give your friend advice and, the, and then at the end you go, but that's just me, though, in case it all blows up in her yeah. face so you don't have to take responsibility. <laughs> like, this is just from our perspective. Yeah, and so if you take my advice and it doesn't work out, I'm sorry. Same here. And while I was thinking of her response, yes, I would ahead. just go with two things, that you're willing to learn, you're willing to improve as a person in that relationship, and also make sure that you give your best effort no matter what. Because at the end of the day, a lot of relationships people may be in, they might not last forever. And it's very, very easy, especially coming from me, I do this a lot. It's very easy to be very hard on yourself. That if you don't reach every mark, if you're not the perfect guy or the perfect woman or the perfect partner, then you failed or you didn't do enough. And especially from my trauma of being told that I didn't do enough in a relationship when I put forth as much as I could, it's now stuck with me to the point where I could be doing amazing and I would still think I'm not doing a good job. Like, I remember 
in preparation for our anniversary last week, it was so stressful because I'm so excited telling people, like, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. But when people told me, like, oh, my gosh, that sounds so great. She's going to have a great time. It Nobody, no matter what nobody said, it didn't stick unless Janae told me that she had a great time. Like, until I saw her smile and see her happy, I thought I was not doing enough. It weighs a lot on you when you're so hard on yourself. So when you're able to make a mistake or if you make your partner upset and they communicate with you to not beat yourself up about it, to just try and do your best and improve as time goes on and as well as make sure you leave everything on the floor. Like make sure when it came to understanding things you did for your partner, the love, the care, the affection, the reassurance, make sure you do the best you can and understand that you aren't the perfect person but you can be the perfect person for them oh my god that's so like deep (laughs) going deeper oh my god that was that was great i appreciate that do you have um like have you been able to formulate your answer yes and i have a perfect example based on what you said first janae if you're listening your outfit with the plaid skirt from y'all's anniversary pics was so cute like i saw that and i was like oh my god like that was such a cute outfit um this is would be I've got a lot of tips but first would be your what what is a good relationship to you is not going to be a good relationship to somebody else and by that I mean there are things that you should obviously that all I believe all relationships should contain respect would be the number one consent you know those things it's just like obvious but celebrating milestones is one of those things where it doesn't have to line up. Like my boyfriend and I, for our anniversary, we forgot it was our anniversary. Really? We went ax throwing and then we went to dinner and I was looking at the date and I was like, why does this seem, why do I remember this? Then went back in my calendar and I'm like, oh, it's the anniversary of our first date. Cause that's how I count anniversaries because my older sister told me to once. I was like, when do you be like, when do you count your anniversary? And she would say anniversary of your first date. So I looked at him, I'm like, it's our anniversary. And he was like, oh my God, you're right. So you know what I mean? And I wasn't mad at him. He wasn't mad at me because we're not, I'm, I mean, I'm a holiday person. I love Christmas, but we're not like super big on milestones. Like we love each other. We celebrate our relationship. We're very appreciative of one another, but that's not something that is important to us. So my advice for that would be two things. Number one, don't expect what matters to someone else to matter to you. And there's nothing wrong with you if it doesn't. And then number two is, your partner might like different things. Like if I were with somebody who really loved milestones, I'd put a lot more effort into it. But my boyfriend and I see eye to eye about this. Um, My next piece of advice, relationship advice, I had a professor say this once and it is so true. When it comes to arguments, disagreements, fighting, there are some things that you can say that you can never take back. And I know I have never met a single person in my life who doesn't remember one thing somebody said to them one time years ago. It doesn't matter how much you apologize. You can forgive them. You can move on. You can love them. It can be a parent, a sister, a friend, a partner. You're not going to forget it. Like there was an, like there's an episode of a TV show I love, Grace and Frankie. Shout out Grace and Frankie. They also do a really good job about talking about sexuality on that show. But the... One of the daughters has a disagreement with her mother, played by Jane Fonda, who I love. Um, And she's talking about something that the mom said. And the mom's like, I don't even remember that. Are you sure I said that? And the daughter goes, Mom, I remember what you were wearing. And that is so true. There are some things that you can say to somebody. Well, they're 
Like, they'll remember exactly where they were standing, what the time of day was, what the weather was. So when it comes to arguments, you really, really need to be aware of that. Because when people get mad, they say things that they do mean. Not even that they don't mean, but that they do mean, but they shouldn't say. So I don't really agree with the whole, like, don't go to bed mad. Because sometimes you need to let your anger what I would say is like burn off almost so that you can have a productive conversation. Whereas if you're just like, no, we need to solve this before we go to bed and you're just running in circles with the same argument and you're not getting anywhere. So my advice is be kind. And that is different from being nice. Be kind to your partner. Be kind to yourself because there are some things that you can say that you can't take back. Point number three is be mindful of yourself. And by that I mean... If you are not in the right place to date somebody, don't. And I don't mean that you can't love somebody else until you love yourself, but I think there are degrees to it. If you are in a god-awful place, you cannot use somebody else as a lifeline to try and pull, like, expecting somebody else to save you never works all you're doing is hurting the other person if you're like still learning to love yourself and you're on a journey of course you can date somebody of course you can fall in love but again um, me quoting another tv show this is from chicago fire she says i've been the lifeline for a dying man and i'm not going to do that again or i've been the lifeline for a sinking man and i'm not going to do that again which means that yeah if you're in a really bad place know that you might not have time for a relationship and that is okay Maybe you need to get your head on right. Then you can have a relationship. But you never expect your partner to fix your insecurities because it is exhausting. And I have had friendships. I've had familial relationships where, and I've seen it happen to my friends, where somebody ties their entire self-worth to you and to their, to, to their opinion of you. And it's just exhausting. Like somebody who is constantly asking you, do you still love me? And I don't mean in the joking way because there are memes about like me at the altar being like, you still like me? That's different. I mean in the sense of you have no sense of self-worth and you are constantly begging your partner for it. It's exhausting. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to you. And whatever connection you did have, it's going to override that because they're just going to be like, here she goes again or here he goes again here they go again any whatever pronouns you use here you go again <laughs> and it, it doesn't last it it burns out do not tie your self-worth to somebody else that is my final piece of relationship advice i feel like and i don't just say this to be nice i feel like that advice was also so perfect because especially one point in particular you hit a nerve on my end like you know how people say like only said that because i was upset I am a huge hater of that response. I like, hate that phrase. Yes, I want hunt. You are so right because, oh, I only said that because I was upset. That does not mean you didn't mean it. If anything, strong emotions bring out, I'm yelling, strong emotions bring out the truth. When somebody is like really, really sad is when that they can be at their most poignant. I mean, if you think about all the greatest works of art, music, plays, movies, a lot of times people write their best work when they are in an extreme like wave of emotion, whether that's happiness, whether that's sadness, 
whether that's being upset. That is usually when you're the most truthful. And also, I'm someone who I would say I have a lot of control of certain emotions. And I even when I'm upset, there's a 99.9% chance that I would say 100, but just because I'm not perfect, I wouldn't want to say 100%. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to say something I don't mean when I'm upset. Either I mean it or I'm not going to say something just to hurt you. So when I don't get that same type of like treatment or respect, I take it twice as hard because I know like I intentionally keep the thought in my head to not say like not speak out of emotion. Mm-hmm. So when people try and say like, oh, I only did it when because I was upset or they try and like excuse it. I don't give no merit to it because it doesn't. That doesn't mean you didn't mean it like you mentioned. And you can have, at least I feel, you can have the control not to say certain things just because you're upset. 100%. And it also doesn't mean that it, that it didn't hurt. Exactly. I didn't mean it. Okay. I didn't know that when you said it. <laughs> it's still, and, and because I've been on the other side of that, I've said things out of emotion, not because I didn't mean them, but because either I wanted to hurt somebody. I think, I mean, anybody with a sibling has definitely had this argument before where you say something just to hurt them and then you regret it later. Oh, it's just because I was upset. No, it's because you were upset and you wanted to hurt somebody. So I'm glad you agreed with that. Yeah, 100%. I do the same thing when you say like 100%, like 100% that's <laughs> like 100%. And with that being said, as we uh, closely approach an hour now, we oh can my finally spend an hour. <laughs> now we can finally get to our podcast pitch and things that we plan on discussing for this episode yeah. or for this show. I got it pulled up, so I'm going to do most of the talking here. Okay. Um, and because I wrote the pitch. Real so, quick, oh. if I can just give you your props. Like she just mentioned at the end, Elle wrote this entire pitch. And even if we collabed on this uh, platform, she's put so much work into getting this accomplished. And just to be truthful, we wouldn't have got this show approved without Elle making this uh, pitch. Like, I really appreciate her for taking the time, effort, including her own uh, links to each thing she mentioned. Like, you're truly awesome. Like Thank as a you. journalist, as a friend, as a person, I really appreciate it. Oh my god, you. Anthony, that is so kind. I would <laughs> all of that back to you as well. Yeah, but oh, I mean, Anthony is selling himself short here. He does like five other podcasts. That's why I wrote the pitch myself. Is because he's so busy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I am a very. I like to research things before I run my mouth. So pitch. Uh, it started with one thing. The state news covers stuff like this a lot. We have a love and sex issue every February. I've written one story for that. It was two years ago. Um, I found a story that we wrote in our love and sex issue in 2019, which says quiz want to know where on campus you'll have sex next. And it literally, y'all should check this out. It was great. Shout out the author, Lauren DeMay. Um, it's like based on your favorite MSU dairy store flavored ice cream mm-hmm. or ice cream flavor. It's where you're gonna where on campus you'll have sex next, and it it made me laugh. Um, we've done an interview from a student talks about misconceptions, benefits of having a sugar daddy selling pics. We've covered um, on a more serious and unfortunate note. We've covered uh, ex doctor Larry Nasser and Mel Tucker's allegations. Well, the former is not an allegation because he was convicted in court. Um, We've run lots of stories about uh, STI prevention, and then almost every single one of our love and sex issues has featured a story on long-distance relationships. Really? Yes. Um, And just to clarify where you said convicted in court, he was referring to Nasser, right? Yes, I said the former, because I I mentioned Nasser and then Tucker, so Mm -hmm. the former refers to doctor. Or No, he's not a doctor anymore. Nasser. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so these are just some rough ideas. We might not do all of them. We might do all of them. We might do some of them. Uh, we're going to interview our love and sex reporter. Shout out, Hannah. Please um, say yes when we ask. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be embarrassing if that never happens. We assume she'll say yes. Um, we were going to do a series on polyamorous relationships, looking at it from an anthropological perspective, how they worked in the past versus how they work now. Because I think even if I don't think it's that they're getting more common, I think it's that people are talking about them more. Mm -hmm. um, one on the anatomy of sex, like different positions, conditions like vaginismus or erectile dysfunction and the mechanics, stuff like that. Um, this one, Anthony came up with this one, Love at First Sight. Oh, I came up with that? You come up with the you came up with Love at First Sight, the title. I didn't know that. I told uh Madison earlier, shout out Madison. I told her like you thought of that. Well, no, you were gonna do it site based on location and I said site like website. That is we're awesome. <laughs> we are so great, yeah. Look at us. Um, love at first sight, online relationships, how they develop, how they differ from traditional relationships, why some of them break down and some last, how sex works for online couples. Having been in an online relationship myself, I know a lot about this one. Um, next idea, contraceptives and birth control, busting myths, because there are so many myths about contraception. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. I have seen, it, is, it is really unfortunate to see the things that people say and the things that people think are true. It's very upsetting. Like, I saw someone being like, oh, birth control. I don't want to put all those chemicals in my body. And I was like, girl, if you don't. So we're going we're gonna to go through that in detail. Um, first love, we talked a bit about this today. Mm -hmm. Crush it, crushes versus relationships. How likely it is for first love to last. How it, it's different from later relationships. Um, STD and STI prevention. Because this is a statistic I found. It's a 2010 study from the, uh, it's a reputable study. I can't find the name of the journal on the website, but I know how to do my research. Trust me. Uh, one in four college students has a sexually transmitted infection. 80% of individuals with an STI experience no noticeable symptoms. So you or your partner could be transmitting without even knowing it. So on college campuses, one in four, one out of the four people who might listen to this, hopefully we get at least four, could have an STI. So we should talk about these things because a lot of people don't like talking about STIs. It can be very shameful because people are like, oh, there's something wrong with you. Again, one in four people on this campus. Uh, and then a lighter hearted one we had was like funniest sex stories. Cause I know I've got a few, I'm sure you've got a few <laughs> because sex can be taken so seriously. And at the end of the day, we've all fallen off the bed. Like, if you can't laugh with the person you're having sex with, you shouldn't be having sex with them. Honest to God, that's my belief. Uh, and one more thing I wanted to... Oh, those were just our ideas. Um, I wanted to mention from earlier, because you brought it up. When I was talking about first love, I have been lucky. I have never fallen in love with somebody who doesn't love me. Mm. Because I think unrequited love when I when I described love as like a warm feeling if that's not reciprocated oh god that sounds terrifying I remember I was with my dad once and he was like talking about one some things you you'll never forget he was like there's nothing worse than unrequited love I was maybe like 10 years old and that has always stuck with me so I I am like I said I've been fortunate so back to our episode ideas we want to hear from you guys like I said hopefully we get a few listeners maybe that audience will grow if you like it tell your friends about it Please let us know. 
feel free to email me at l.from at statenews.com. That's the best part about having a last having the last name from is that your emails always rhyme. It's great. Mm-hmm. That's E L L E period F R O M M at statenews.com. Hit me up. With that being said, before we end, I want to give one huge shout out again to L because even though we giving each other props, I really I'm really grateful that for who the journalist and person she is. Just Thank being you. able to be open and vulnerable enough to have these type of conversations and then to start a platform like this with me, like it's really needed and it's really beneficial. It can be really beneficial and you're someone I trust a lot with being able to hold this type of conversation and then give it to an audience. Cause especially if we do get listeners, then we'd be we'd hopefully be helping people and we'd probably be learning a lot about each other and just helping mm-hmm. each other as well. And I know I've told you like a lot of things you've told me has helped me like be more comfortable and just learn a lot from talking with you. Thank so you. I just really appreciate you and then to the listeners that we do get. I am very, I'm going to be very thankful for y'all regardless of yes. just one or 10 or hundreds of people. I just want to make an impact, a positive impact on people's lives. And I feel like this is another way that I can do that. Yes, because the MSU community is so meaningful to me. As somebody who comes from a Spartan family, I am the seventh person in my family to go here. My grandma, although she didn't graduate, but still, shout out my grandma. My mom, um, my cousin met her husband. My aunt met her husband. So like I said, Big Spartan family, MSU's community means a lot to me. And if there's a way that I can improve it or just impact it, that's something I want to do. Thank you very much, Anthony. I appreciate you as well. No problem, man. With that being said, we're always going to take a deep dive, but sometimes it's good to come up for here. This has been the Going Deeper Podcast. Thank you. Bye, guys.